Hello, this is Dr. Shiva. Welcome to our podcast, Get Educated or Be Enslaved. Episode 527, air date February 25th, 2020. Welcome to P Guru's channel. I'm your host, Sri Ayer. Today, I joined Dr. Shiva Ayadurai on uh, the topic of Trump visiting India. Dr. Ayadurai, welcome to P Guru's channel. Great, great to be here. Uh, Dr. Ayadurai, uh, you know, um, I can tell you that from looking at how the global politics has evolved, there has been a, a return to nationalism, whether you take uh, Modi's election victory in 2014 or the subsequent 2016 election of, uh, you know, Donald Trump. Is this how you see it? What do you see in this current trip of Trump to India? Well, in in my opinion, as I've shared, you know, alluded to before, um, it's about time that we had real nationalism. Uh, I don't mean cultural nationalism, right? But real strong nationalism in both India and America. So I think this is a huge, huge victory for both people. Look, and, and, and I want to sort of talk about why. Um, you know, there, there's a thing called cultural nationalism, right? Which is very different than a progressive nationalism where people feel proud of the, about themselves. So let me start with India. You know, India never had, uh, Sri, a real opportunity to have nationalism. In many ways, that was taken away from the Indian people by people like Gandhi, as I've shared, which other people may not agree with, right, but it was right. taken away by the... Uh, establishment, the bootlicking establishment of India. That's what really happened. So if you look at Indian history, right, the British um, came to India initially as tr- uh, traders, right, pre-1757, you know, the Dutch East India Company, the French, and the British were there trying to uh, f- carve out uh, areas of, of India, and they were negotiating with different of the Maharajas, right, to try to win favor. But the important thing that occurred in India was in 1757 when the Battle of Plassey takes place, and the East India Company and Britain moves from a trading phase to becoming an occupying force, right? And that's right. when the British Empire and Clive and all these guys come in. So in that instance, what occurred was up until 1757, there was a burgeoning entrepreneurial capitalism, you know, uh, merchant mercantile class rising in India. In fact, there's a lot of data written by great guys like uh, Ramakrishna Mukherjee to show that you also had the, you know, the caste system was starting to fade away. Right. And what the British did, which most Indians may not know, is after the Battle of Plassey, they actually reinstantiated the Indian caste system. In, in many ways, it was put back and forced by the British so they could control people. But the critical thing that occurred at that point was that you had the British getting very clever. Instead of imposing British law in India, they imposed pre-8th century Indian draconian law and that was a creation of the Indian bureaucracy, right? The British were very clever. Instead of imposing, you know, you know, white men controlling British, the Indians, they actually found sellout Indians, right? You know, gave them a little more esteem so they, that infrastructure could control the Indian people. So between 1757 up until 1947, what you really see is a growth of that administrative service, which was really used to oppress the Indian people. In the 1920s, when we look at India, there was a burgeoning nationalist movement in India. It had all different flavors, but that movement was bottoms up. 
And it was basically saying, look, why don't we have a revolution, a good bloody revolution, a militant one, like the Americans did, and kick out these guys? They're they've been exploiting our country for 200, 300 years. Well, in that revolutionary environment, what happens? The, the establishment creates the Indian National Congress, right? Because this is what most establishments do to get people off the street and say, no, 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 you don't need to fight, you know, building your own movements. Come in here and talk in this legislature. And Gandhi comes in around that time, and frankly, he had done nothing in South Africa. He was a failure there. He was, if anything, not helping the poor blacks or the poor Hindus. He was really helping the wealthy traders in the Transvaal region, and he failed miserably. And he comes in and essentially is used by the establishment. You know, his attire changes, you know, does some good speeches, some good poetry. This is all advertising. And he takes over the, you know, the, the active uncontrollable movement and basically suffocates it and serves to transfer power from, from, you know, white men with crowns, as I've shared before, to brown men with white hats. And this is all done. And it's called the transfer of power, right? It's not called the Indian Declaration of Independence. It's right. called the transfer of power going from Mountbatten, one royalty to the Nehru royalty, you know? And, and then you have from Nehru to Indira Gandhi to her son and then to the, you know, the, the daughter-in-law. And then it was great that the, uh, drug, the, whatever, the drug addict or whatever, Rajiv Gandhi failed. Okay? So, right. yeah, Rahul Gandhi, right? right so right. you have this lineage and people were sort of, you know, forced to accept this nonsense. Right. Modi right. comes and he proposes, you know, he's a nationalist, right? right? And he, and you know, what does he get attacked for? Oh, being a Hindu supremacist. By who? Interestingly enough, the same uh, people right here in Harvard, okay? Yes, yes. You have the Harvard liberal elites who don't like people like me, who are also friends with Elizabeth Warren, who also hate Trump, hate me attacking Modi as some Hindu supremacist. You know, no one wants to talk about the tens of millions of Hindus that were killed, right? That becomes back burner. Yes, right. Yes, yes, and the liberal yes. elite in India. Right. Who've profited from all of this. Start attacking Modi. Right. Suddenly he's a killer of every Muslim. Right. Right. So th that's what the dynamics is. He's called a Hindu supremacist. Trump is called a white supremacist. I'm called a white supremacist. OK, if you remember <laughs> one of the idiotic liberal because I spoke at the Boston Free Speech Rally and I exposed Hillary Clinton and I exposed the racism of the Democrats. I'm called a white supremacist. So you can see this dynamic. It's quite amazing, the, the connections here. So, but what's really important to remember is, you know, when I, even today, when I, I mean, it's a very interesting psychology. When Indians see each other in America, until more recently, you know, if, you, if an Indian passed another Indian, they look the other way. It's like they don't want to accept themselves because Indians were beaten down by the Gandhian nonviolent nonsense, okay? And they never built a nationalism. And what Modi's doing, whether people recognize this or not, but I see it, you know, like night and day, he is building a much needed Indian nationalism, okay, that never has really existed in India until what he's brought to it. And what Trump has done in the United States is the same thing. It was, you know, uh, the, the global capitalism, the liberal elite, you know, multiracial liberal elite in the United States had no regard for nationalism. In fact, they were fine with outsourcing everything to China, you know, giving um, all the manufacturing jobs to China. In fact, um, letting Chinese own large parts of the United States, right? There was no sense of, wait a minute, 
Uh, even India land laws, right? Don't let everyone come in and own everything, right? Right, right, right. But, but the global U.S. liberal elite capitalists, right, really didn't have a regard for that. What Trump said was, wait a minute, th this is unfair trading that's taken place. And he reinstantiated at least some sense of fair nationalism. So you have two nationalists right now who are coming together. And for years since, you know, Indira Gandhi times, right, since Nixon times, the deep state of the United States. I mean, I always wondered, wait a minute, India's, you know, you could talk about not a perfect democracy, but America is a democracy, right? At least say, why aren't these two countries ever together? And because a deep state in the United States and the deep state in India kept these two natural partners apart. So, you know, Shivaratri, I think my Shivaratri was what, last Friday? Yes, so yes. I consider this pretty cool, man. I think it's going to be historic because the concept of Trumpers, working class people in the United States who I grew up, you know, who always, never were racist towards me. They may have called me stupid names. I, 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 never, I, I never thought that of racism, you know? That was more ignorance. But the real racism are the liberal elites in right here, right down the street, okay? The, the, and there are multilateral liberal elites. When I was distributing cards, calling Elizabeth Warren a racist, right? The fake Indian, real Indian. They were the ones who were upset. The white working class, whites who voted first were not. So in many ways, the working class people of America have a lot in common with the working, non-Gandhi, you know, dynasty, non-Nehru people of India. So I think this is, this is quite historic. And people may not fully comprehend this for maybe 20 years to come, but the two meeting of Narendra Modi, you know, who have had the opportunity to meet, by the way, Modi, you know, in a crowd of about a half a million people announced, you know, was the Indian who invented email, right? No right. other prime minister announced that. Right. And so he is willing to take ownership of what Indians were denied, right? He is willing to put his butt out there, right? That is a leader. And Modi is really intertwining the best values of East and West. And Trump is trying to do that too. He values meritocracy, right? I think Modi values that. So I think it's, I think it's huge, man. I think it's so amazing to live in this time right now. Um, and whatever these liberal elites in India, the U.S. may say attacking Modi, it's nonsense, you know? Let them, let, let's look at the whole history of India, how many Hindus were brutalized. Let's look yes. at the whole history of India, how many Indians were brutalized under British rule. But they won't talk about that because they all, you know, Sashi Thiru, they all have their nice Oxford accent, right? And they're part of the elite, <laughs> right? I see that you have as much liking for Tarur as I do. <laughs> oh, he's a complete bullshitter. <laughs> yeah, that's what he is, you know. Um, but I think this is a historic time um, for, uh, you know, more deeply, I think we're going to see, particularly our election in 2020 here in my running, is we're going to start seeing a new revolution take place of the producer class versus a parasite class. And that's what we're headed to. Those people who produce, those people who create the future versus those people who want to regulate, control people's future. And it's, you know, we just saw a professor at Harvard get thrown in jail, which is awesome, arrested, because he was colluding with China. And I've always felt the day that academics start getting thrown in jail is when we're going to see real change, because these are the bourgeois elites. And in the United States now, the academic elites practice the oldest profession right now. They chase money. They write what's told. They're the fake news behind fake news. So 
I think, I think all of this is extremely good for the everyday person who actually works. It's not going to be a good day for those people who've been living off people and being scribes, writing nonsense and thinking they're, you know, God's gift to earth. So quick, quick question. Do you think Trump's going to coming back in 2020? Yeah. I mean, right now, look, <laughs> um, the impeachment was a farce, right? The broad mass of American people are seeing the contradictions. What Trump did fundamentally in 2016 was he threw a huge hammer at the establishment, GOP establishment and the Democratic Party establishment. And so that was phase one. And that's what, you know, why would a guy like me run, right? It created conditions that I would never have thought of entering electoral politics. Now in 2020, what's happened is there's been an awakening. I mean, the term fake news, straight like has become commonplace, right? People use that all the time now. Right. So there is, what's going to happen is there are a lot of independent, like in Massachusetts, 60% independent, 10% Republicans, 30% Democrats. Many of those independents, typically a set of them went Republican and a set of them would vote Democrat. I think you're going to see more of them go, um, you know, Republican, you know, Trump. And forget even Republican, it's Trump, right? Trump is really not a Republican, okay? The That's Republican right. He started out as a Democrat, yeah. Yeah, yeah, but I'm saying he's just Trump. Right. Uh, he's, he's a phenomenon, which is more of a disruption, you know, a phase disruption in the old way of doing things. Right, right. And, and uh, that's what he really represents. I don't, you know, if you see on my Twitter thing, I say I'm pro-Trump. I didn't really put the word Republican because there's a lot of Republican rhinos here. I don't want to really give them too much, you know, credit, but I'm pro-Trump, <laughs> you know? All right. And uh, let's, uh, let's see how things play out. I mean, it's a very exciting time to be here today and watching this uh, play out. In fact, I'm going to be on uh, a couple of TV channels in, in, in just a, an hour or so covering Trump's visit. And uh, Dr. Shiva Yadurai, all the best for your uh, Senate uh, election. And uh, you've uh, really given us a gift of your time and a peek into what you think is happening around the world in terms of uh, nationalism. Thank you very much, sir. Thank you. Be well. And by the way, Sri, people should go to Shiva for Senate if they want to learn more of what I'm about. ShivaForSenate.com. Absolutely. Okay? And we'll okay. add that link also in the video. Thank yep. you very much, sir. Yeah. Thank you. Be well.